Welcome back to part two of the Musicians of the Midnight Sun podcast interview with Johnny Landry. Can you tell me a little bit about, I call them, we call them songwriters, you call them song makers of mm-hmm. your people. Can you tell me any a little bit more about that? Like, uh, they had 24 songs, my uncle. And he had a song for Aboriginal Day. Like mm-hmm. when I used to remember what to say, this, uh, this young that used to gather on June 21st, and he had a song for the sun too. He had about 24 songs. And he knew that what I was going to do. He knew when I was just a, just about five, six years old. And when he sang, he also wanted me to be beside him. And then when his, when his oldest daughter got married, he told his older daughter that he's got 24 songs and he's got it from the fire, from the fireplace, from feeding fire and praying like that. That's where he got it from heaven, those songs. And he said, uh, if nobody's singing my songs, my songs are all going to go away, he said. But my brother's son, he's going to carry on. He was singing, he said. And it was me that he was talking about, you know. You know to carry on the Dennis songs, you know. And my brother's son's going to do that. He knew, and so when he, every time he came to town, and he always lived in the bush. Him, he never moved to town. Him, till till he got really old. And every time he sang, he always wanted me beside him, come over here, sit over here. He always tells me that, and then he sang. Eh? He always wanted me to listen to what I'm singing. You know what I mean? <laughs> like one of the songs I wrote, like Andagua, that one of the first songs I wrote. That was from in a dream that he was talking to me in a dream and told me that I can't help you if you if you're drinking. You gotta stay away from alcohol if you want me to help you. And he t- taught me how to feed fire and how to pray, how do you to stop. And he said, Just ask me to help you and I'll help you. And I could help you with music, you know. And so I told him, Why did you make songs? And he said, I made the songs to live up the spirit of the people. And I told him, what kind of song could I write so I could help them? And he said, Yantagawa, let's as it in it means that if we all help each other for the future, the things might change. So I wrote that song Yandagawa. Yandagwa means for the future, let's all help each other. That's, I wrote that song, the first song I wrote. Yeah, it's from in a dream. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, like those things kind of came to me, like as I was trading out my life, kind of you know, trying to work on the the good road and you know, learning all and being positive. You know, all these things start to kind of clicking and. Mm-hmm. In what they're saying, you know what they mean, and you got to figure out what what the elder tells you. Something you got to figure it out yourself. Nobody's going to tell you this is what he means. You know what I mean? In your lifetime, as you're going through your experience of life, you you're going to figure it out. Oh yeah, this is like even in the last about four years, I learned that 
You can't hit a woman or argue or talk back to a woman. There was a dinner value. And here, you know, the one that hit, and hit our woman, you know, when they first came here, and they, that's not right, you know what I mean? You know, then here we lost our value. So right now I'm working on trying to write a song, you know, about a woman, you know, about don't hit women, you know, things like that, you know. That's the things we've got to learn, you know, that's, it kind of um, makes me um, try harder to write a better song to help them. You know, the things that they forgot, like the values, you know, like that's going to help them in their life. Especially, you know, don't hit women or argue with women or don't talk back to women. There was a dinner value. There was, it was ours. It's not the white man's one. And someone made us to forget it. You know, we got to relearn. Maybe true music, you know, we could kind of help them too, you know, get back on track. Or at least, uh, yeah, like you say, that there could be one, one part of it there to, to remind people and to, to help them back. Yeah, you know. To, to remember. Yeah, to remember things that we lost, you know, along the way, you know, it's like that, you know, it's it's not perfect, you know what I mean? <laughs> no. Thanks for that. One last question, just about the, your, your your uncle and, and the songs and the 24 songs. So it's not as if he, I mean, he wanted you beside him when he was singing those songs and, and, and just the repetition and all the rest of that stuff. It's probably playing back in your subconscious there all the time but it wasn't as if he correct me if i'm wrong did he actually sit down and teach you the songs and make you sing the songs back in the standard or conventional way mm-hmm. that we think about learning no, the song told me to sit down and listen you know never told me to sing but the other songs i learned like that river song like take Arrow, i had to do that with the elder i had to sing back to him to make sure that I was singing it right. Okay. I had to do that. It took me six months to learn that song and what it, every word means. And, like, I went to school with an elder every day and almost every night, you know, buy some tobacco for him and go and visit him. And he always says, you know, Johnny, there's a dance at the bar. He said, everybody's going over there. How come you want to listen to old stories? You should go down down there to the bar where everybody's having a good time. <laughs> yeah, I want to listen to old stories, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, maybe it's, it's all related. And it kind of helped me to, um, the music too, it kind of helped me to open my ears too, you know, like to listen, you know, because it was the only way I could I could learn. It, I couldn't, I didn't know how to write music, but I learned by ear, so it made my ears, you know, I could hear things, you know, like some other people can't hear, you know what I mean? It kind of helped me in that way, too. And to listen to when my wife talked to me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let her hear that. <laughs> yeah. And what I found out too is that, you know, that Dene, you know, the language has lots of humor. That's a funny thing about it. It makes you laugh and laugh and laugh. And when we played music, it was laughing. You know, it was a lot of laughing because there was a lot of humor in that language. You know what I mean? It was fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've had yeah. this kind of a discussion with uh, Jesse Gon, David's younger brother, and uh, he would be speaking Klicho, and and to me it was just magic, it was musical, like yeah. it was, or the the words have this uh, flow that they have this phrasing, but they also have notes, and it's the same thing with yourself. And I find languages other than English, maybe German, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is pretty succinct kind of a language. I'm sure there's others. But for the most part, foreign languages are, are like they have this musical sort of context or sound to them that that we sort of don't have in the English language. Some people do, but I find in the indigenous languages, it's just I can turn on the radio in the afternoon and just listen to the sound of the language. I don't yeah. understand a damn thing. Yeah, you know, it's country music, but it's just the sound of of, uh, of your that, language being spoken. That one thing, you know that. Uh, when I went to Randall Prescott one time, I went to recording down there in the studio. There was a guy there, I don't know what was his name. He works in the studio, he does harmony like that. When I was singing those songs, the creator helped me, you know. He knew what I was singing about just by the feeling of the, of the song. He knew what I was singing. When I went down there, he knew, he, he asked me, and he said, you're right. And he knew it just by the feeling. You know what I mean? Like, it kind of, kind of shocked me like you know like holy smokes he said this is a really powerful song he said and this is about the creator right? he said tell me the creator helped me to be a good person that's what it means he knew just by the feeling he didn't have to, I didn't have to explain to him but he you knew know. because it was coming through you but you were obviously you know, I was yeah. going to say kudos to you because, I mean, you obviously delivered that whole thing. And yeah. Even without him understanding your language, yeah. he was able to pick up on that. Yeah. So. Dana Cross is like, after, like the things I'm doing with him now, like he's, he gets hooked on there too sometimes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. some songs and like yeah. I, he kind of relates to it. Eh? And it's true, yeah. you know, what he feels. And it's what that song means. Like even the the love song, you know, that I wrote that song from an old lady, you know, I told him like what 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 do you sing about you know when you say you know that love song they sing yeah those old ladies he's singing about her husband hunting that she's she's by herself and she's singing about him and she misses him and she feels lonely when he's gone they live from the land that's why he has to hunt and I hope he gets something. And he prays that nothing happens to him, that she loves him with all her, with all her heart. And they wrote a song out of that. <laughs> well, it's like what you, what you were saying before. I mean, the, the, the difference between prayer and song is <laughs> a little pretty faint there sometimes and sort of moves around a little yeah. bit that way, you know? When you're doing these songs that come from legends or come from a very old and deep place, how do you know when it's okay to go up and perform them, to record them? Is there a permission that you have to sort of get or a blessing of kind? Can I work? I work for it. I work on it till I feel that comfortable enough. I think it, you could do it now. And I mean, like, that takes me a while, like maybe six months. Depends, you know, how, how much I work on it, you know. <laughs> so it's not so much permission has to come yeah. from outside or blessing. It's, yeah. it's you know it inside yourself yeah. when... I work for it and then put it out. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Beautiful thing.
All the songs I, I wrote, I worked with them. I never wrote them just like that. It never happened like that. Every song I wrote, I had to work for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Some longer, some year, some one year, some six months. Sometimes I leave them and I go back to them yeah. later on. Maybe I got maybe 30-something songs, 39 songs, 37 songs. I got some more ideas of going to write some more songs too, of you know, what happened and trying to work on stuff like that. So to do that, like with the up with today's music, maybe a little bit of rap or maybe rock and roll or you know, so the young young people know what happened or you know what's going on. You know? Yeah, yeah. Use some of the modern sounds. Yeah, with the modern yeah. beat and whatever you know. Well, I mean, you were sort of almost, I can remember back to the mid-80s, and uh, you had come out with Hina Na Ho, Ho, Ho yeah. and uh, We Are Standing, and it was on a 45, and there was these synthesized sounds and electronic yeah. drums, and I was going, holy smokes, this is <laughs> incredible, and you singing in your language. So um, how how did that all come about, and who, who were you working with? With that uh, Bill, Bill Carpenter and... Um we, I played in the band with him for four years. In the last two years, that's what I did was uh, went to his where he lived and showed me how to write songs. At the time we were using cassettes, we were using two cassettes. We were jumping them we were using an electric drummer, and showed me how how to write songs and how long they should be. Been for two years, been working on it. That's, after that, that's when I wrote those songs. It took me about two years. Changing them and listening to it and changing them, don't like the way it sounds. Change it, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know things like that. And it showed me how, and how to dissect your song, write it down. Don't like it, you could change it. Like positive, you know, yeah. you know, people don't like to hear negative. So, I was writing a song that I call uh, Mother Earth. And that one part I said, uh, when are they going to stop destroying Mother Earth? And I changed it to. When are they ever going to see the beautiful Mother Earth? You know, instead of saying that and kind of change, you know, things like that, and I learn, you know, as you go along, you learn. And every time you listen to your song, in your mind, you think that I could write a better one. It kind of in inspires, you inspire yourself, like, you know, by listening to yourself sometimes and that to, to drive you to, to write better, a better song, you know. Right now, that's what I'm trying to work on is trying to write a country song if I could do that. Yeah. yeah you know, just, just for, just just for a challenge. Challenge, yeah, challenge yeah, myself. Yeah. yeah. And know. learn. Yeah. yeah. What kind of work was Bill doing when he was in Fort Providence? He was doing music. Like he was teaching music in the school there. He was a music teacher. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he had a music degree. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So they had a music teacher there in, in the early 80s. Yeah. And you know, that teacher was there, you know, Tyler Hawkins? Yes. Him too. He was there too. Oh, okay. After Bill, I didn't realize. Like I played music with him too. He was classical guitar player, yeah. man. Oh, we, could, we played in the band together. I mean, him learned lots from him too. Music, you know. So it sounds like between right around that time, anyways, in the early '80s up to the mid '80s, uh, Albert Canadian had come back. So you were getting a hit from Albert, and you were working with him. Plus, Bill Carpenter yeah. was in town, so it was. We all had a band together. Who oh, had a real good band? Oh, was that right? Yeah, okay. it was Bill Carpenter, me, 
um, Albert Canadian and Louis Constant. And everybody sang. And you had to sing all your scale. You got to sing on your scale. Eh? And that's what we practiced that night. You used to hang around together. And, and then one, the one rule that Albert Canadian had is no drinking. When you were practicing and no drinking on the stage, there was a rule. That's how we played. That was pretty good too. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It sounds like quite the band. Yeah. Did you get, you get a chance to record any of that? So well, I imagine you would have. Eh? I think some of them, yeah. Recordings, good for you, yeah. 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 No, that, that was a time for sure. Um, and so you were working with Bill, and you're you're working on your songwriting. Uh, how did the opportunity to record like the the, the forty five come through? Um, Ethel Ethel Blon and Andrew like she got them enough money from somewhere to record those four songs. So we went to uh, Ottawa or no, Toronto. That's who we recorded it with Bill Carpenter. Just me and him. And hired different musicians. Had a hired that the guitar player. Like someone just approached me like the, about that song, one of the songs I recorded, the first song, that Get On, that one with the steel guitar on there. Because that song says, let's go back. And he wants to use it for um, pollution, you know, those things like that, you know, mm -hmm. for, so that we could go back to the way we were and start cleaning up, you know, every time you leave your camp, you clean up, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Things like that, you know what I mean? And all of those songs that I wrote before, now they're all coming alive now because a lot of people, they, they start to understand what I'm saying and what I'm singing about, you know? Yeah, and how important it is now. Uh, it was important back then, but yeah. Yeah. I understand for sure. So right around that time, and, and you're recording somewhere in the mid-'80s, and you've got your 45 out. Um, you, you were obviously playing, you were, again, you were playing in a band with Bill and with Albert. What uh, live playing or performing opportunities were happening for, for you at that time in the mid-'80s? I went to Midway Lake in 87, when the first went that to Midway Lake, mm -hmm. went to Inuvik, played in Inuvik too. With those young boys in that picture you have there, you know those young boys? Yeah. They're from Meander, those boys. And they're called the Midnight Drifters, those boys. And so <laughs> okay. hooked up with them and we, we started playing together. Yeah, playing all the songs like that, traveling, going to Ray, playing all over the place, Wrigley. We still go there, we still play there. Like when we have hand game tournaments, we still go and play with them. And those like slavey songs like that. Then they really understand, you know, you know, like, like in this, it's it's slowly picking up, like the music. Some place I go, some guys are starting, you know, get into the music, like in their own language, like, and it's good. Mm -hmm. Just an inspiration. You just gotta go there and, you know, show them that it's not impossible. <laughs> you know, it's possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's all you gotta do is work for it. That's all you gotta. It's not free. You gotta work out. You gotta work at it. Again, like when you started talking about doing this, you said there was nobody else doing this. It wasn't as if you heard somebody and you kind of went, oh, I'm going to sing, I'm going to sing just like he does or she does in his own or her own language. But the, the people that you're talking about, you're, you're sort of a role model for them. I'm sure you are even for the Gone Brothers that way or were uh, for them to be singing in their Klicho language as well. That's a very cool thing to have happening. I mean, 
the, the, the one example that, that uh, Jesse Gone talks about is, is when, uh, when Cashton came out. <laughs> and mm-hmm. It just exploded. Yeah. I mean, it just... And they're singing in Montigny, and, and it's like, nobody up here understands Montigny. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like... Well, and, but it's still like it was such good music. But yeah. uh, he 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 talks about the summer that album came mm-hmm. out, and that was just huge for for him. Yeah, yeah. even Ernest Monias, like I know, yeah. inspiration to a lot of people. You know, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, what other playing opportunities did you have in the mid eighties? We went down to uh, Cape Britain with uh, Louis Goose. Because oh, okay. we went down there with um, Louis Gordon. David Gong played down there for 10 days. And we went to uh, PEI with George Tuckeroo, okay. Lee Manville, his dad, and played over there too. Nice. And who else? We went to Expo 86 too. Oh, okay. With Albert Canadian, me, Bill Carpenter, and another drummer. We hired a drummer. So you went down there with that yeah. band? People just come running that, you know. Just, yeah, <laughs> beautiful. Yeah, lots of fun there. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty wild. Yeah, I did too. That was a good, yeah. a good thing to have happen there. So coming back from from uh, from that in the mid '80s and '86, and and the different playing that you were doing. Um, I guess we're moving into the into the '90s, and you got you got a chance to play with Cole Crook. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about how that came to be and and. Uh, yeah. He was about 19 or 17 when I met him. And he played fiddle and he kept on coming over and started practicing with him. And he said, let's go travel down. to Satu down there, you know, Toledo, those places. So one winter, I put a band together. I went down there, went to Toledo first. Then went to Good Hope, two nights. Two nights in Normal Wells and then back. Then two nights in Delhi and came back. That's when he started this fiddling, cook, cook, fiddling um, association, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's when he first started it. Oh, wow. By okay. helping, you know, some companies would stop and teach fiddle. So uh, helping used to court for him, used yeah. to help him to teach kids. So we went there a couple of times, playing him, mostly playing. We went up there twice, I think, two winters in a row. Went up there he played. And this is when he was in his late teens and or early yeah, 20s. Yeah, 20, like. you know, 19, 20. Yeah, that guy could play, man, holy smokes. i never ever seen a fiddle player like that. The guy could play. Square dance, like that, anything. You know, it was pretty wild, man, when I went up there. Like, when we, there's one place there, like, where there's a, between Normal Walls and Good Hope, in the winter road, uh-huh. when we were going up there, the first time I ever been up there, and there's a big space there, where the winter road goes between there. Eh? And we had an old man with us from Toledo and told him, "What was that? That was a big beaver dam." And when the giant broke that beaver dam there, it happened Noah's Ark on the other side of the river of the world. The music kind of brought me all to different, different people, you know, different elders like that, telling me different things about music or about, you know, about the land and stuff like that, things like that. 
It sounds it sounds like between you and Cole. Yeah, I didn't get to know him as well as I could have or should have, like, but it seemed that was very much his way of life. Yeah, uh, like he's real good in the bush. That guy could do anything, fix moose hide, anything. Yeah, and go yeah. and chop wood and haul water yeah. for elders. Lives in the bush by himself, like that, you know, like yeah, everything by himself. You know, sucking a fiddle. Yeah. He never, he never took money. He never hardly take money from anybody. That kind of guy, you know. He used to go and play. He used to give him money. He just gave his money away to kids. Who went just kids around him that gives him all twenty dollars each. He said all he needs is about a hundred dollars or something. That's all. Just for tea, sugar, whatever. That's all. You know. People used to like him, man. He's a good guy. Play anywhere, <laughs> yeah. And playing, playing the the really old traditional yeah. fiddle music, right? The old yeah. time songs and mm -hmm. all the rest of that stuff. Because yeah. he he studied with different people yeah. as well too, and just traveled around. Mm -hmm. How long did you get to play with him? Well, four or five years together, me and him. Wow. Yeah, till almost almost till the time he died, maybe a couple of years before he died, maybe. So then formative years for him yeah to be playing with you and learning from you yeah and we used to pray the time we played all the whole band we used to get together and before we started playing we used to pray and that's how we played and my youngest son was with me at that time William was playing drums about 12 years old or 14 years old yeah thanks for that yeah what Songs and CDs have you have you sort of gone on uh, to write and and record uh, uh, since that time in the mid '80s and that first 45 that came out. There's quite a bit of songs that I wrote. Like you know, when I started learning how to write songs, yeah, and then I wrote about nine more songs. And I recorded with them, you know, Randall Prescott. Mm -hmm. Record nine songs with him and. and we recorded some songs with Dana, Dana Cross. I'm doing some more again. Right now, I'm doing nine more. I'm going to do some more. That's where I'm at right now. Nice. And trying to get a CD cover. And I got a Archie Bowie before he died. He, he drew me a cover. He said, if you make a CD, you know, the CD, I wouldn't call it All Along the Big River. It's called that. They wrote that song. They didn't know it was bad. I told you that. Mm -hmm. It says, I can call that CD. And he, he drew the cover. I got it at home. It's, got a, it's, it's almost done. Wow. Dana. Yeah. So you, you just keep working, keep working on the yeah. songs and the writing and yeah. uh, playing in the community and yeah. stuff? Or are you, are you like, we just play where they want us. We go, we go over there. Now, so they want more, like, slavey songs. Like, you know, so we go, you know. Cause no, there's no other band plays that. Plays with music, you know what I'm doing. You know, there's no nobody around. But it, to travel too, it's not. To have a four-piece band, you're gonna travel. You know, you, it's not easy. You know, you gotta get all the equipment and all the players there. Mm -hmm. Make sure they're gonna play. You know, you gotta get all that together. But it kind of, you know, like all through these years, learn how to do those things like that. You know. True. All the equipment and everything, you know. You got to haul all the stuff. Sometimes you got to use two trucks. 
<laughs> depends where you're playing, you know. Yeah, how long it takes to get there. And, yeah. You know, whether the stuff can fit. I like to go one day early. Yep. And then just relax, and that was better. So that's pretty much like your, your as far as like musical, quote-unquote, goals, it's getting the CD out and keep writing music. And, yeah. And, uh, and Getting more ideas of what you write about. As you practice more, the, the ideas come. As you work more at it, and it, and you always tell me, what's this right there, you know? <laughs> I figure out something like that, you know, just that. I got to earn it to figure it out, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's there. It's not, it's not impossible, but you got to work for it. But I learned that, you know, so it's fun. Make it fun. And some other boys, they want to learn, so they come around, bring their guitars out. They just follow me, and I'm, I'm practicing, writing my song here, and they just play along. They make it fun, and sometimes we laugh, and, mm. you know what I mean? And they get interested in it, and then, because, you know, who smokes? They didn't know I could do that, you know? Like music, it's a different, you're in a different world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like even playing, like, you know, it's like that, you know, like playing music when you're on the stage. You got your space there, that little space that you have. That you could do anything you want to do in there. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> no, you, you said it. You said it before. Uh, you get out what you put into it. Yeah. And uh, but it sounds like you're in, in in a really good place. Again, the land, the river, your people, uh, the language, and all the rest of that stuff. But I mean to have younger people coming over yeah. and you sort of interacting with them and then playing along and you're working with them and you're playing gigs with them or you're sort of in essence sort of handing the torch, you know, yeah. over to them and, and turning them on to good music, which is another thing that I find. I mean, they could be listening to just garbage coming out of the radio all yeah. the time, but you know, if they're, uh, if you're, if you're turning them on to some good music that way that they can play and find that enjoyment, then that's a huge thing for them to be able to do as mm -hmm. well. Yeah, like some people get healed from those songs. Before they never listened to the words, and now they they understand, you know, and it's it helps them in their own life, you know, what they're going through, you know. Yeah, and one thing I, is to have a good, you know, family at home, you know, supporting me, helping me, you know, at home. That's the thing, you know. Everybody has to work together. It's not yeah. just by myself, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it's better that way, it's, and it's fun. You know, my son plays. The other one, the oldest one plays, you know, whenever he's around, he, he wants to play. So it's fun, you know what I mean? Mm. And not to drag anybody anywhere, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, make anybody do anything. Mm -hmm. But uh, what a wonderful connection to have between yeah, and then a father and a son. Have fun, you know. Yeah, yeah and... He always wants to play, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Hungry for it. Yeah, we're going to play, yeah, and so we're getting ready. Carnivals are coming up, so we're going to be traveling around there again, doing stuff like that, carnival in the summertime, hand games, like I would play. That's where you get the inspiration from and get words from by going to those places and, and mostly, like, it's uh, elders and, you know, they're doing dinner things and, you get inspiration, like inspired from those things, and it makes you want to go go more with the music and 
gives you ideas of what you know what you could write about it you know mm-hmm. yeah well and for the people that way too it's uh there seems to be fewer bands i'm, I'm just talking about in Yellowknife here i mean there used to be you know at least yeah six yeah you know, five or six local bands that could go and yeah. play at the drop of a hat anywhere yeah. and and now it's like yeah, no. Two. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. So that woman phoned me on New Year's and went to Wrigley. And she said, I gave him my price and he said, I'll phone you back. And she said, Oh, I didn't know there was no bands around here. He said, <laughs> You know what I exactly, mean? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's no bands. No. I told her that there's no bands. It's, it's, the, the top thing, it, it's hard. You know, it's not easy to have a group together and one play you just can go play just like that you can go you can know ahead of time yeah well and practice and turning yeah. songs over yeah. and, and work on what you're gonna changing do changing sometimes yeah. people in the group change yeah. it's a really hard thing to it sustain is. it and keep you know, it going and keep it yeah. going and keep it it's consistent not, yeah it's, it's hard work yeah yeah that's for sure yeah and someone that has to you gotta be a leader to do that you gotta lead them you got to lead them in a positive way so they want to go, you know. That's why I had to stop drinking. I, had, I couldn't drink no more. I had to stay away from stuff like that, you know, just to play music, you know. But you got to love music to play. <laughs> That's what I say, you know. Do anything for it, you know. Because that feeling that I get, there's no drug in this world. Can I can't get that feeling from that. There's no drug in the world that can give me that feeling that I'm going to get when I'm playing. When it all kicks in together, that feeling that you get whole is most, you know, can't describe it like, you know, that's a feeling that it takes a while to come down from those things, you know, that's not, you don't come down just like that. I mean, it takes a while, about two, three hours, maybe longer, depends, you know. A lot of times that happened to me, like when it's defensive, it's just lots of people, you know, more energy, you know. Gotta harness that energy together, you know what I mean? One time I went to a plate in uh, with Cole Kirk was with me that time, I went to Fort Good Hope to the wood block, the first time they had it. There was 800 people in that circle, and they were talking about it for about two months, and just about four or five people got, a, they got healed in that circle. 800 people, you know what I mean? Holy smokes. There's a lot of energy, you know what I mean? Holy. That big feeling, good hope. Yeah. The Louis Goose band was there, were backing us up. Oh, wow. Yeah. He had a good band that time. Louis Goose. Yeah. The guy could sing. Yeah, still can. Yeah, Yeah, still can. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry I missed that one. (laughs) That would have been a great festival, yeah. Yeah. Those bands there for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's important. Uh, work is the wrong word, but I can't think of a other word thing <laughs> that you do, we do, but you do in your language here. And it's not only for the slavey people down here. Like you say, you're going up into Satu. Yeah. You're traveling sort of all over the place that way. It's really important that you do that it's really important that those people in those other places that you travel to 
come and get a hit of that, even yeah. if they've never heard it before, or uh, because they're of a generation where you know they missed out. But there's generations of people that do remember. Sometimes they call me when the they have something happens bad happened there. They call me. I go over there and I play there and kind of change things and be positive. You know, trying to live up their spirit and yeah. I do that too. You know, we do that too. Yeah. Again, it's mm -hmm. uh, important to. Uh, um, it's, it's spiritual. Yeah. <laughs> it's spiritual work is what it is for, yeah. you know, for, for healing or for uh, celebration or uh, for any of that kind of thing. But uh, uh, I'm glad that you're still here doing it and uh, look forward to hearing your new material. And mm -hmm. uh, But thank you very much for yeah. your time here today. I really, really thank appreciate you very much, it. Man. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Jeez, thank you so much, yeah. Johnny. I would like to thank Johnny for sharing his rich musical life story with musicians of the Midnight Sun. To hear more, see photographs of his life, and the full interview transcript, check out musiciansofthemidnightsun.com, linked in the show notes. You can follow along as well on Facebook and Instagram. If you would like to support the continuation of this project, please donate it on our website, musiciansofthemidnightsun.com. I would like to thank the City of Yellowknife Heritage Committee, and the Northwest Territories Creative Industries Economic Recovery Fund for supporting this podcast series. And to thank the Northwest Territories Arts Council, Government of the Northwest Territories Department of Education, Culture and Employment, the Yellowknife Community Foundation, and the City of Yellowknife Heritage Committee for supporting the website so far. A full list of supporters can be found on the website. The archival audio of this podcast is from the Northern Musicians Project Collection at the Northwest Territories Archives. I'm Pat Braden. Thanks for listening.